You know, Jim quotes Rumi, wake up, wake up, and don't go back to sleep. So I'll just quote Jim quoting Rumi, wake up, wake up, and don't go back to sleep. Hey. Wake up, wake up. And often the body will go to sleep, but does the soul wake up? And that's often, I know, a lot of what we all experience and part of the challenges in meditation is really this process of waking up. And a lot of us often associate it with staying awake physically. And it really has nothing to do with staying awake physically. It's about waking up spiritually. So in other words, I'm giving you permission to allow your body to fall asleep while you're meditating for those of you who've been judging yourself for falling asleep while you're meditating. As soon as you let go of your judgment of falling asleep while you're meditating, you'll probably finally start to wake up because it's the judgments and the fears and the concerns around it all that keep us asleep spiritually. That's it. The whole let go, let God. Well, what are we letting go of? Just simply those things that would cause the soul to go to sleep. Another way of saying to be in separation, to have the door closed, to be unaware, to be living in the darkness, to be evil. That's all that is. The lights are out. It's because we just simply closed our eyes. And so what we're doing is just opening our eyes, but really opening our spiritual eye. And that's why we want to really differentiate between the physical and the spiritual. The two eyes in the physical are polarity. The single eye, spirit, the soul, it's singular, it's one eye, because it's just a one God, a one loving. Everybody knows it. I mean, my God, it's right on the dollar bill, right on the top of the pyramid and the capstone, got the single eye. That's what that is. The founding fathers knew what that was. The capstone is right here, the seed of the soul that we reference in meditation and we focus, this triangle, the capstone. The pyramid is symbolic of the body. The capstone, with that single eye, the top of the pyramid, it's the eye of the soul. That's not big brother watching you. That's your own soul. That's what that's about. It's not about the government. It's not about the physical. That's why they even wrote, in God we trust. I'm not doing a political lecture today, just so you know. I'm just giving you symbolic references that all of us know about that's out there. It's out everywhere. Every civilization, culture, regardless on the planet, always has the symbols and references to God and spirit and the soul because it's all one and the same, and sure, there can be different symbols, but it's just kind of deciphering what those symbols mean. And so that's part of what we do in here in Interlight Ministries is to help to decipher or interpret the symbology of spirit so that you can understand. Because part of it here is, see, the mind is often a trap. The mind likes to know. If it knows it, it'll participate, or it'll try to control it. So we try to give some information for the mind, but not in a way to try to control it or to feed the mind, but rather to give the mind a direction to focus so that the mind can participate rather than get in the way of this movement of loving. We want to give the mind 
something to participate with so that it can be directed towards the divine. Because just as we say, it takes an open mind, it takes an open heart, it takes open emotions, it takes an open body. Just like on these ways of being, honoring our time together, talk about being open, honest, and vulnerable. Open, honest, and vulnerable. We've got to open up. That means opening everything. To me, that's what vulnerability is. But in order to do that, we've got to get honest with ourselves. That's what it's really about. It's not about speaking your truth in the world to everybody else. It's about getting honest with yourself. What are the games you're playing? How are you closing the doors? How are you keeping yourself asleep or living in fear and separation? Are you willing to get honest with yourself and look at yourself and the games you're running on yourself, let alone anybody else? The truth is we run the games on ourselves and we project those games out onto everybody around us. I don't care who it is, family, friends, coworkers, God. We do. It's just what we do. It's, it's funny. It's easy to get to really know each other because all we have to do is sit there and watch and listen to one another and we see what we're all projecting or vomiting up all over the world. That's often what it's like. I know we're just going around trying to clean up our messes. That's what it seems like, and those are the references and jokes we often make because it feels and sounds and looks that way. You know, but sometimes some point we do clean the mess up. You know, and at some point we want to begin to let go of focusing on the mess so much and stop worrying about cleaning it up or stop worrying about creating a new mess, but rather begin to really keep that focus and direction more now living the loving rather than looking down at the messes we've created, but to rather to let go of looking at the mess and really start to look at God once again, to really begin to focus on the divine. That's what we want to really begin to direct our attention more fully into. And that's something we all lose sight of at times. That's why it's important to really do the meditation. That is the most direct action we can take to really refocus and realign ourselves. This is a meditation. Meditation is not about going inside and looking at your junk and trying to clean it up. Meditation is a time to go inside and really look to God and to be in the loving. When you really allow yourself to open up and be vulnerable with God, all the junk will get cleaned up. It'll get cleaned up. You just got to allow it to happen. Don't focus on it so much and think, Yes, we talk about taking responsibility for your thoughts and feelings and actions and reactions. But if you're so focused on that, you're, you're going to lose sight of God. The way to do it is to focus on God and allow God, which is that movement of loving, to come in and clean things up for you and with you. To be that open, honest, vulnerable receptacle or vehicle to allow the loving to sweep through you, to move through you. A lot of people talk about being channels. Well, the channeling we're doing in here is really opening to the loving of your soul. This is not about channeling other consciousness or entities or beings or angels or teachers. 
This is about truly opening up to the soul of who you are. And hopefully that's what if people get involved in all the channeling they're doing is trying to really open to the loving, but they just lose sight. They get focused on a teacher or a guide or an angel, but all those beings are really trying to bring the soul into alignment and serve the soul on its journey here in this world and on its way home to God. And so we ever need to remind ourselves to not lose sight about what we're doing and what really everybody's doing. I know in this day and age, there's so many books and all the media and digital accessibility now is overwhelming with all the resources and information. And, you know, the ego likes to be center of attention. So everybody wants to be the next channel or the next Jesus or Moses or the next whatever out there. And that's part of the trap. It's trying to be something rather than just be the being. Look to be the experience of the divine rather than looking towards the vehicle. The vehicle is really the ego. The ego is a vehicle for the soul to have experience in this world. That's all it is. Well, what happens is that the ego takes over and begins to want to be the beingness itself rather than just the vehicle. It wants to be the all in itself. And that's a trap we ever have to keep watchful of and not allow ourselves to succumb to it. And guess what? We all do. And then what do we do? We usually beat ourselves up. Oh, I got hooked in. And we feel guilty and shameful. Yep, that's why we have forgiveness and acceptance and loving. But it gets old after a while, doesn't it? I know a lot of you in here have been around for a while. Doing a lot of the inner work sometimes gets old. Gets, you get tired out, don't you? It's like, man, I need a break. Does the process ever stop? The process can stop when you let go of what's creating the separation and just live in the river of loving. Then there's no process. Then it's just a flow. And that's what we're doing here. We want to move into the flow of loving. The processing is just to assist in releasing and letting go of those attachments and fears that have held us in that place of sleepfulness or in separation. But once you let go and release yourself, you're in this flow. And then your job is to keep yourself in the flow, and that's just simply now. Just staying centered. Keep your eye on God. Just keep doing that. And know that's all you really need to do anyway. All the other tools that we share about are just to help you to let go so you can refocus. But once you're refocused, you know how to do it. Just do that. You don't have to do all the other stuff that help you to let go. Unless you do. So in other words, don't throw it away. Just keep it in your toolbox. Remember the old toolbox we used to talk about? Go listen to the ILM Toolbox CD. Back from 1998 is when Jim did that talk and where we have the LAF where that all originated from. It's a pretty good talk. 17 years ago now, my gosh. I'm starting to get old now. I'm getting gray. I'm turned 50 this year. 
Not the young one on the block anymore. Yep, we're slowing down a little bit here. I think it's part of the reason we're setting up all the production here because maybe it'll be easier to kind of broadcast than trying to run around the world every year for months at a time. So we'll see how that goes. But the nice thing is there's really no separation in spirit. I mean, look, those of you watching on the video broadcast, if you're paying attention, even though you may be halfway around the world from where we're at here in Austin, Texas, right in this room, you'll notice there's no separation spiritually. Just as you in the room here probably feel that sensation on top of your head or that peace or presence, I bet you right now watching the video feel the same thing. Pay attention to that. There's no distance in spirit. That's what we call the illusion in this world of time and space where there appears to be distance in past and future. But in truth, there's no distance. Everything's really truly here and now and present. But we only know that when we really focus into where that oneness is. And that's all it's about. I know there's a lot out there to read and distract us, let alone about religion or spirituality, but just in our own day-to-day -day lives. But you don't have to let it be a distraction. Start to look at your life and everything going on in your life as a support. Everything that's going on in your life is actually serving you on your spiritual journey to really wake up and know your oneness with God. Have you looked at it that way? Or have you looked at it, everything in your life as a distraction separating you from God? Same thing. It's the same stuff. Is it separating you or serving you? So here's the key. Maybe the title for the talk. Are you living in separation or are you living in service? Are you allowing the things in your life to separate you from God? Or are you allowing these things in your life to serve you on your journey home to God? That's service. That's the real service for yourself. And that's up to you to really begin to live your life that way. To look at these things. But I know we've made the jokes over the years. They're opportunities. They're not challenges. They're not negative karma. They're opportunities of learning, right? Yeah, we're trying to be positive with the negative. I'm positively negative. It is screwed up. But when you really get the focus, God first and God only, and really take to heart what we're sharing and not just say, oh, those are nice words. What do they mean? I don't know. We'll start contemplating the words. What do they mean? God first and God only. What does this mean, separation or service? It really is up to each of us in the choices we make and the attitudes we hold that either create a state of separation in our consciousness and asleep or a state of service, which is also being awake. And in that, we're living in the flow. And then that's just continuing. But we ever have to 
be present here at the seat of the soul, observing, observing that movement of loving, keeping our eye on that loving, and even in our actions and our thoughts and feelings, that we bring all that into alignment with the loving, to be open and vulnerable, to allow that loving to move into every aspect of our consciousness, not just our physical actions where we all go inside and say, okay, God, what am I supposed to do here in this situation? Probably what most of us do, right? We're asking God to make our physical lives better. And when it's not going the way we want, we complain to God and say, why me or what the hell are you doing, God? I hate you. You're not doing what I want you to do. I don't like this. I want it to be the way I want it to be. How come I can't control it? What am I, just a little frickin' ant, and you're holding the magnifying glass on me and burning me? You guys doing that one? You ever do that? I did that as a kid, a magnifying glance on the ant and burn them and watch them fry. Wow. I know, that's what it feels like. It's being done to us, right? Yeah, what goes around comes around, so I bet everybody fried a few ants in their lives. Well, I know that's often how we feel. But put it under a magnifying glass. And burn the heck out of it. But what are you burning? And what does a magnifying glass do anyway? Well, yeah, it can focus the light, but it also allows us to see something up close in greater detail to magnify or to observe that which is in our consciousness in a magnified way so that we can really now allow these things to serve us rather than distract us or we judge them as distractions or they're separating us from God, but rather to hold up the magnifying glass of consciousness and to really look at what's going on inside of ourselves. Let it become magnified and realize that magnification is also the light of the soul that is now bringing in that light of spirit to fry it up. Well, guess what? Yeah, maybe it sounds like I'm having some fun and making a joke here, but in truth, I'm not. Because if you understand another action of meditation is observation, well, when we allow ourselves to observe our thoughts and our feelings, our actions and reactions, oh, what did I do? I said the same thing, and I changed out the word responsibility with observe. So to observe... Well, when we really look, those things will become magnified. And when they're magnified, well, guess what? We that are observing and directing our attention as the soul, and wherever we direct our attention, that light of our soul goes into that which we are observing and begins to reveal, well, what is Revelation. But that's the learning. That's where the karmic lessons are revealed to us. And at the same time, it's being revealed that light of spirit. Now, this is the part where I said, like, frying it, where we burn the seeds of the karmas. You know, all these references we've learned over the years from all the different groups who talk about all this. I'm trying to shed a new light on it, so to speak, or say it in a different way. That when we look and observe, it's revealed the lesson. And at the same time, that lesson's revealed that light of loving is dissolving, to put it in nicer terms rather than burning, dissolving, but what's really going on? Yeah, you could call it deserving, dissolving the karma that maybe we deserved 
I like those little tongue slips like that. But in that, it reveals the lesson so that we really learn it. But you see, if you look at it that way, then that revelation is now the service to the soul. Then that which we looked at as karmically a distraction that created separation, now we're learning to look in a way that we can learn and then it serves us and then it's freed up. Because we were willing to look. Seriously, that's it. We are willing to look. So when I say go back to this open, honest, and vulnerable, most of us are too freaking scared just to look. And so we're not going to be open or vulnerable, let alone honest. Is this starting to make sense? I try to tie these things together and I get down in the nitty-gritty sometimes. But sometimes we have to do that because a lot of times we hear these words and we start to generalize. And then they don't do anything for us. Then we go, oh, I'm just going with the flow. That's great. But do you know that thing down there has got you hooked up because you're going with the flow and you're not being open and honest and vulnerable and willing to look at what's snagging you on the side of the river there? Why do you think you're in pain, whether it's physical, mental, or emotional? Those pains, those reactions are the snags where we're hooked up, caught up on something. We don't want to look at it because we're afraid of it. We think it's going to cause more pain. So we're afraid to look. But you see, that's the whole thing. It's almost like reverse psychology or counterintuitive or however you want to say it. Just simply be willing to look, and automatically what I'm talking about will start to take place. This is where it's not work. Looking is not work. But yet if you're really scared, it'll feel like a lot of work. And then you think you've got to work it. Okay, I've got to LAF this thing. You've got to love and accept and I mean, forgive this thing. And you wonder why sometimes it doesn't work. Well, with that attitude, what the hell do you think anything's going to work? This is why it gets back to those inner attitudes and how we look at things is what makes the difference. That's why I'm really sharing a lot about these ways of being and honoring our time together because... I laid those out in a way, or shall I say spirit laid those out in a way through me, as I wrote them on paper, as very valuable tools that if you can begin to approach your life that way, not just time here together, approach your life that way. And I'm just picking one today, open, honest, and vulnerable. Just approach your life that way. The difference it can really make let alone spiritually wake up, but the difference it can even make in your physical life, in your mental and emotional experience as you walk through your physical life. But you see, that's part of the soul's journey here, is walk into the world to have experience, to learn the lessons. That's just simply by having experience. But we have to allow ourselves to have the experience. And the learning takes place by letting go of the judgments and fears and rather observing and looking and loving. That's it. And just so you know, we added one more thing. We talk about it all the time. I don't know why. I guess I missed something as it was coming through. 
Be willing to surrender on the inner focus. Please enter our time by. Be willing to surrender. Yeah, this is a pretty simple statement, huh? Yeah, that's pretty easy. No problem. I'll surrender. Yeah, I'll give up control. Sure, I don't care what you do. No, that's all right with me. I'm going with the flow. Surrender. Probably one of the hardest things to do. So that's taken the vulnerability to a whole other level. But you see, a lot of times when we're really hooked up on things and even trying to look at ourselves and what's going on inside to get honest with ourselves, there's maybe so much fear running that we even stop ourselves short. That's where it is very valuable as we share all the time in here. Give it up to God. That's what surrendering is. Surrender. Let go. Give it all up to God. It's a simple action, but boy, it's just amazing these things, how they run inside of us when we just talk about it. It sounds so simple, but boy, when it comes down to doing it, and when these energies are running inside of us, when we really start to approach them, how they just hang on for dear life. If you notice that, when you go into your stress and your turmoil and everything seems so hard and challenging, why can't you just surrender it? Ah, oh, just let it go. No problem. Here you go, God. Then it's done, just like that, right? Just in a second, you say, okay, here you go, God. I surrender, and it's done. You're fine. You move on. Isn't that way for anybody? Or do you sit there for hours and days and weeks tormenting yourself and everybody around you while you're at it? What the heck is all that anyway? Oh, it's another opportunity for learning. Woo! Nothing like being optimistic. Maybe it's time to be pessimistic. You're trying to be so positive all the time. Maybe it's time to be a little negative. Take a look at it from the other side of life. From the left side, the right side, the positive or the negative side. Try looking for it, for it or at it from the outside rather than the inside. Or from the inside instead of the outside. This world of polarity is polarity. In any time we try to resist or avoid any side of polarity, we lock ourselves in. A state of resistance or non-surrender is what, again, keeps the soul asleep and in separation. But if we are willing to, inside of ourselves, willing to put ourselves in that other place to view to look at, to observe, and to magnify. Now these things are going to begin to turn and serve us rather than create separation. I hope this is making some sense. It's a bigger deal than you may have realized. 
how you look at things. Because how you look at things will be how you live. You will live according to how you see things in yourself and in your life. If you think you're having challenges and the negativity or whatever it is in your life in a hard time, well, take a look at how you're looking at your life and begin to see if you can change that point of view to begin to look at your life a little differently to look with the attitude of service to begin to really serve your soul which ultimately is going to serve your whole consciousness and your whole life even into this physical world Jim and I share in here all the time, what we're doing here is really not about the world at all. But the nice thing is when you really do it for your spirit and soul, it's going to affect your life in this world in better ways. You've got to make that the priority, though. If you really want to serve your soul, these are the simple actions and steps you can begin to do. I think it was earlier this year in March, we began to open that door, I think as an initiates meeting. We called it restoration of the soul and also service. We began to talk about what that restoration of the soul is by really waking up into the soul of who you are, into the soul realm, to free the soul of its attachments in the world to restore yourself in the soul realm, in the realm of the spirit, that true home and the action of service. We haven't talked a lot about service yet as an outer action in here because most people aren't even fully serving themselves inwardly. And if we start talking about outer actions of service, of things we can do to love your neighbor as yourself, as an action of service in the world, so funny how people will jump into doing the physical actions sooner than they'll do the interactions. That's why we haven't spent much time talking about the outer actions of service to this point. Although maybe things will change as we go along here. So here I am talking about it now. I kind of introduced it back in March. Haven't said a whole lot about it since then. Maybe things are beginning to shift a little bit. Just maybe. Because one thing I have found for myself, the more that I have woken up and know the truth, my own divinity, well, that divine within myself, and I know that is the same inside of each of you, when it knows itself, it wants to love God in all things. And that includes in one another. To love your neighbor as yourself. But you first have to love yourself. And in that, and loving your neighbor is the service. So the service is all loving. What am I sharing about today? Is this loving? That's the service. And how we can do that within ourselves through simply getting honest and observing. But in doing that, guess what? Well, look at how I even shared right in the beginning before the meditation I'm at a loss of words right now. I have no idea what I said before we started, so I'm sitting here waiting to see what that is. 
It'll be right there. Just give it a moment. Maybe it won't. Yeah, it ain't coming in. So, gosh, I guess I've got some separation going on here and a door closed in there. And that part of me is asleep. Maybe all the better. Don't want to access the mind. And that's a key. I know always. I want it to come present and said, is a movement of spirit, not out of me going back into the mind and the memory there. Not the memory banks. Let those banks take care of it. So the key here is in this word service, the first beginning to see how to serve yourself. And when you can really begin to do that for yourself and begin to know that for yourself, you're going to wake up more. And in that, you'll see how to simply share that loving with those around you. And that's really the service that when we do share about it here in ILM, is the true action of service I like to say it is simply sharing that loving. We're not trying to be a cause in the world, to try to change the world, to do something in the world. We're just simply trying to wake up to the divine in ourselves. And we look at that as a service, first to ourselves to wake up, and really that's it. The thing is, when we do that, though, that part of us that truly does love the divine in ourselves and knowing that oneness with God, well, then we begin to wake up and see that divinity in one another. And that's the loving the neighbor as yourself. And loving yourself first, you'll see that. And as you begin to now really truly love your neighbor, from that place of divinity is the service. Not about the physical actions we take, but the spiritual action of loving. And then, yeah, then whatever physical actions we may or may not express in the world around us, it's going to be a service. And that's part of the action that at some point you'll start to experience in your life. And it may not look like ministering to somebody or counseling somebody or telling them what they're doing or what's going on intuitively. I see what you're doing. If you would change, everything would be better. Well, sometimes that works, but most of the time we just get mad at each other. Nobody likes to be told what to do, right? Well, yeah. So how can we do that differently then so we do it in a place of loving, vulnerability, and acceptance, where it's not a telling or trying to control, but it's an action of sharing, experiencing, and just being together. That's the big challenge we have in this world because the mind, the emotions, and the body always want to control and make it be a certain way. That's why we have to first wake up and begin to know the freedom of loving in ourselves. And then when we do that, we can be that way with one another. And it's when we're being that way with ourselves first and then with one another. 
is where we really begin to not know the true meaning of service. So maybe this is a different approach. As I was saying earlier, maybe even the title today, are we living in separation or living in service? So look at how you can be of service to yourself. And in doing that, you'll begin to see how you can be of service to others. It is not an action of doing to others. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's karma. That's living in the law of karma. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about grace. Grace is different. It's not doing unto others. Service and loving is not doing. It is being. So be of service. Be loving. Be divine. That will restore your soul.